Hey, what's happening? Woody Muller, Jared, how you been? How you doing? Oh, so good, so good. I'm so excited to be back in the studio. I mean, are you so good like soy soy milk? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. Episode nine, what it do? How you feeling about it? Oh, I'm so excited about the lineup we got tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm amped. Mm. I'm amped. Another panel discussion with amazing people. The panels, it gives me chills. I'm getting chills right now. I got the goose pimples. But anyway. But before we carry on any further, we'd yes, like to sir. run through an acknowledgement of country. We recognize this country as being the lands taken care of by traditional owners and acknowledge the Yagra and Turbal people on whose land we are recording. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as First Nation people of Australia. Mm-hmm. We just had NAIDOC week as well. Yeah, exactly. Which we usually celebrate in July, but, you know, pushing it. So COVID. thank yeah. you for that acknowledgement, Jared. Appreciate yeah. it. So into other news, that is our Brisbane Built, our alternative F5 That playlist. Why don't you run us through your little F5 That playlist then? I mean, I mean it's pretty quick, but go on then. New album slash song release. I'm giving it to Zai, uh, his song 43 Below, which was just released Friday last week. And it was produced by one of our guests who you'll hear from in the show uh, called Mitch Mitchell Walker, sorry, uh, and his tag is Loretta the Dom. But if you want to find this guy, his name is Z-Y-E Zai and his song is 43 Below. Find it all on all platforms. Um, the business that I'm shouting out this month is The Source Productions, which is a newly established production company founded by photographer, videographer, you were warned, and vocalist, uh, studio head, uh, Melonhead Studios. The outfit offers videography, photography, recording, mixing, and mastering services. And they've just released their first episode on YouTube featuring Brisbane band Lyo. That's L-Y-O-H. So we'll put that link nice. in the bio. And for my arts and digital shout out, it is Rachel Sarah, whose IG is at sar.ra underscore. She's a growing, growing woman and she's based in Brisbane. She's an artist and a designer, and you may have seen her artworks projected on the William William Jolly Bridge or on a bus travelling through West End. I think it's nice. like 190 or something. Yeah, was, was she uh, part of uh, Blacklash by any chance? Yes, oh. that's how she got the projection on the William yeah, Jolly Bridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm, oh. mm-hmm. Connections. I know, right? <laughs> Link up. Yeah, so my new song or releases is a song by Joey Legit called Pleasing You. I started listening to Joey Legit um, after hearing him on a Dos Dos track, uh, Some, which he was featured. And then he's also got another track coming out 18th of November featuring X Classic called Replay. So get on both of them. A treat. Mm. A treat. Is he too legit to quit? Oh, (laughs) again, again. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a long night. (laughs) Wow, okay. Sorry, go on, go on. And then two businesses. One's a bit of a strange one. Not strange, but whatever. If you see me, you'll think it's strange. I've started going to a local gym called Body Fit in South Brisbane. A treat. Well, not really a treat. It's it's hard work, but... At the end of it, it's a treat. At the end, it's a treat. Because your body looks like an old Schwarzenegger. Hopefully at some point. (laughs) um, The manager there, also Joey. Oh, Oh. Two, two for two, uh, champ, all the staff there, champs. It's like a class-based thing. So they just shout at you for an hour, like, do this, do this. So it's really <laughs> cruisy. I just go there. They I shout love at being me. commanded. Uh, yeah. 
Oh, I'm talking about Jim. I don't know what you're up to. I'm just saying that's what it sounds like from you. <laughs> and then just uh, the other uh, business is just a local coffee shop that I go to around the area when I'm not in the city. Um, it's called Coffee Mentality, and it's based on Montague Road, just op- opposite the Parmalot factory. Oh. It's a little a little corner, a little sneaky spot, a treat also. Really good, really good coffee. And then an artist is not Brisbane-based, but Australian. Um, the reason I'm, it's just a bit of fun. He paints memes that's online. He had a beef with 50 Cent because <laughs> he kept pay- painting 50 Cent as different people uh, on Instagram, LushX. Really cool. Yo, I really. shouted him out on one of my IGs. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a treat. He's really good. So if That Takashi69 mashup, <laughs> I was like dead ass. No. Yeah, he's funny. Well, before we go on to jump into our interviews, I've got a few. I've got a word of the day. And fact of the day, and hopefully I get this word correct. Okay, educate me. So what would you think Yeah. this is? Sphenopalatine uh-huh. ganglioneuroja. Okay, can I have the origin? <laughs> Latin. <laughs> Latin. Can you please spell it? <laughs> I will not. No, okay, say it again. Sphenopalatine ganglioneuroja. So ganglia as in like some kind of tentacles and neural as some kind of brain thing? Oh, you kind of brain thing you're on there. It is the same. Is it like a brain spat, like a brain freeze? Get out of here. Oh, <laughs> no way. Scientific term for brain freeze. Yes. Let's go. That's why you always ask for the origin. Yeah, I got that Spelling all from bee. Latin. Sick. I like that. I'm so stoked. That's. A, I think that's the first time anyone's guessed it. <laughs> Whoa, what a treat. Yeah, that was actually pretty grateful. Um, and then fact of the day. Uh-huh. Okay, where? An estimated 50% of all gold ever mined on Earth came from a single plateau in South Africa, <gasps> the Witwatersrand. Wow. How mental is that? That's cool. So, like, this gold coin that I have... Oh, wait, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Thank you for that. Yeah, Word of the day and the fact of the day. I feel factful. Yeah. Hope, hope I've learned you a thing or two. Oh, I'm <laughs> learned. So, we have some really cool guests coming in on the show to have a conversation about rebranding and authenticity. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. So who have we got, Jared? We've got Emily Devers. Mm. You hit us with one. Oh, we've got Grace Julia. Oh, and we've got Mitchell Walker. Oh. AKA? Loretta the Don. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. Enjoy. And just like that, we are joined by three amazing creatives that we like to call friends. I think anyone that comes into our studio is automatically a friend. Hey, Jared. I think that's, that's yeah, automatic. That's how it happens. Yep. <laughs> so we're just going to go around the room and pretty much get everyone to introduce themselves. So I'm going to go starting from my left and introducing the beautiful Grace Julia. Come on down. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, hey, I'm Grace. I'm a filmmaker based in Brisbane and um, I make everything from commercials to music videos to shorts, etc. Nice. And you're also a festival director, I believe? Yeah, I am. Um, I am the festival director of a multicultural short film festival. Um, 
I guess I wear a lot of hats, especially in Brisbane. The industry is pretty small, so just everything film related. And how did that come to fruition, really, starting as a director for this short film festival? Um, I produced a short film called Adele, which was about uh, a young African girl living in Brisbane who was pregnant to her arranged husband. Um, and when that film won at Sydney Film Festival, uh, this uh, community... Uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure what you call it, I guess a community centre called Belong approached me and they wanted to screen the film and then that turned into Belong Short Film Festival which has been running for three years now and it's just about like celebrating the many identities of Australia um, and showcasing like different cultures and different... Um oh, that's amazing. Would you say that uh, showcasing diverse cultures and communities is at the forefront of what you want to do or are doing? Definitely. Um, I think I think that we all like to see ourselves represented, especially on screen. And um, being the daughter of a Hungarian refugee, I guess that it's really important for me that different voices of Australians are seen and that there's not just this one um, homogenous idea of what an Australian is represented on screen. Beautiful. And next on the rack is Mr. Should I call you Loretta the Don? Um, yeah, I mean, you can call me Loretta. I'm Mitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I um, run, a, I guess, a boutique um, management agency and record label. And then um, I do a bit of publicity for artists on the side through another media platform. And then, yeah, produce music every other minute. Every other minute. So oh, whenever I can, I guess, yeah. <laughs> so you've since transitioned into this new role of producing and that recently. Well, earlier this year, I say. Yeah, kind of. I mean, um, I, I, I had the software for many years um, and I kind of, uh, I guess when the brand started, I um, was initially producing music. Um, but then, you know, more so fell into the management side of things um, to make sure the brand was built correctly or is being built correctly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, producing I, publicly, I've kind of only gone at it the last year or so, yeah. yeah. And what was the seed that made you think, I want to create Deft 88, I want to do Don't Mind Us Records? Um, that's kind of... Uh, uh, so, DMU kind of come about more of, um, I guess... T trying to take control of you know my life more so um you know doing what i want with a passion um and then deft 88 was a f i guess a, s a random side project that kind of started um with my friend lilo who's um one of the pastors of the orcs hosts um so he kind of hit me up one day about he had like back backstage passes or whatever for um sexpo last year mm -hmm. um but he kind of got them off the pretense that he was there to do like some media coverage so then we sort of went with the idea and then started that then i remember seeing that yeah. i thought that was kind <laughs> yeah. of that was really really funny i quite enjoyed it um but yeah dash 88 kind of started more so um as at a time when i would i wasn't really working with any artists really closely and it kind of was um i don't know it was cool to try some writing techniques and dabble in something different yeah, I really love what you're doing with it. Thank you. And then we have Miss Emily Devers. Please introduce yourself. 
Uh, it sounds like I'm pretty similar to all of you guys in the room with all the fingers and all the pies. Um, so I'm not, I'm never very good at introducing myself as one thing cause it shifts a lot. Um, but at the moment I'm a uh, director of a contemporary art gallery and social enterprise called the third quarter. Uh, and I'm also a large scale mural artist and a DJ as well. Oh, I just wanted to ask, how do you balance all of that? Great get- question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so when I was operating the third quarter out of a physical space um, pre-COVID, it was about 18 months of running it out of um, a bricks and mortar up on Petrie Terrace. Mm-hmm. And I was there, uh, I'd say probably four to five days a week and then um, managing stuff at home. Uh, and then I started to slowly get a few more staff in and um, could break away a little bit to start to uh yeah, travel back into mural realm. Um, And then, yeah, DJing was uh, for me like uh, definitely still a hobby, Um, but I, through COVID, um, it really uh, helped me to have somebody somewhere to escape to. Um, So now I'm starting to get a lot more gigs, which is really nice. And yeah, it's it's always a delicate balance. (laughs) Is that still staying like a hobby? How do you feel about getting more gigs around Um, DJing? I like it. I think it's nice to consider it uh, a passion project or doing it f- just purely for the love because then I'm grateful for yeah. every opportunity that comes mm-hmm. in um, and I get to be a little bit picky f- with the places that I play because then um, it's not my sole income so it's like a pretty um, privileged position to be yeah. in but yeah, yeah it makes, makes me super grateful for it. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, I suppose to get on to a bit of a discussion topic just as a icebreaker you guys can tell me to shut up or whatever. It's just a bit of a topic. Um, so currently there's a lot of social social upheaval. There's a lot of um, different things going around COVID. Um, start of the year before COVID was the bushfires. And um, obviously there's a big social movement around Black Lives Matter. And I suppose this, top, this question came out of, I think we went to your venue pre-COVID and there was a bushfire initiative to- Boiling point. Yeah, to support- um, the effects of bushfire and I just want to see how you guys feel about your social responsibility around performing or providing services at events where it's a fundraising and not being seen as like a clout chaser where you're just like oh I'm jumping on the bandwagon I support but actually it's just more about putting your name out there and rather than actually being authentically behind driving change in society or supporting less privilege or helping people overcome adversity. Hmm. Sorry, that was a bit of a wild one. <laughs> Dang. Who wants to go with that one? Um, look, I, I definitely think that the world is currently fucked, but it's always been <laughs> fucked. Oh, Yo, my um, mom's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. No, I'm it's cool. It's cool. Um, <laughs> I, I think this, this particularly speaks to um, – both the Black Lives Matter movement and mm-hmm. also the people who live in communities who are affected by bushfires. Um, not so much on the COVID thing, but that's because we've been really, really lucky in Queensland. Yeah, I feel like the best thing that I can do is give people a voice or give people a platform mm-hmm. because I can't speak for other people and I can't speak um, to how they feel or how they're affected, but I can endeavour to assist in having their voice heard. 
So that's how I feel like I remain authentic in that kind of space is that um, obviously I can speak for issues that affect me like um, around how women are treated or something like that. Uh, But when it comes to BLM and um, also the bushfires, what I can do, how I can contribute is by trying to do things either with like other creatives and other filmmakers to have their voice heard or in the instance of the film festival, it's like, here, have your say. I'll put it on screen. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I think I feel really similar to you, Grace. It's um, I had a few conversations which kicked off during the height of the bushfires with people about, um, you know, how are you contributing or what's your standpoint or what are you currently doing about it? Um, and then have obviously come up through Black Lives Matter as well. And I think I came to a position where um, I was – experiencing some guilt from seeing a few friends attend protests and um, depending on uh, where I'm at mentally on certain days, I'm either really introverted or um, sometimes like just on the extrovert spectrum. <laughs> um, I <feel> you. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can definitely, I, it took me a while to feel okay with the fact that um, I wanted to contribute in a way that felt exactly like you said, suitable to um, your own capabilities and your own voice as well. Um, and for me, that was doing the event through the gallery yeah. and making space for other people to present work. Um, and it sounds like similar for the film festival. It's just about providing that platform, right? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, in terms of, I, I agree with everything you guys said hundred <laughs> percent. Um, in terms of like the whole bandwagon thing, I actually, it's funny you mentioned that cause we went to throw on a, um, like a, a post bushfire sort of fundraising event. Um, but it, there's so many egos in the industry and I kind of mentally got to the point where I was like, all right, maybe this isn't such a good idea, but there was also a lot of other fundraisers, um, going on in Brisbane at the time. So, I mean, in terms of what, um, creatives do at the core of it, if they're genuine, then they're, they're always trying to, um, you know, offer platforms or something that can, um, or, you know, events or whatnot that can offer, you know, some funds or guidance or whatever to, you know, whether it's an individual or a group of people. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure. I think I think it's, it's a struggle um, if you're sort of only just getting a foot in the industry to try and, you know, get events happening and whatnot. But if you're kind of um, been around for a while, it's a lot easier for people to kind of put on the bigger events for fundraising and all that sort of stuff. It's incredible too in the creative industries. We're always the ones with, we, we tend to struggle the most to get like a secure income, but yeah. we're the biggest contributors and the biggest supporters yeah. for when people 100%. really need it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it was crazy to see the efforts post, you know, the bushfires and everything from like everyone around the nation. Um, and then it was, you know, disheartening in a way, I guess, to see how much the media's attention kind of changed, um, you know, with with as you know, due respect, obviously, but there's there's um times when you think the media's taken focus off things purposely to try and you know switch the mentality of the nation or whatever. And I feel like um you know the same things happened with the BLM stuff. You know, like that sort of you know everyone saw it pipe up on social media and everything. And there's a lot of people doing a lot of good things before you know that sort of rose up to its height, and then now. Um, I guess, you know, there's a lack of effort 
Yeah, I for I personally think anyway. But um, I think that's know. where we saw social media go wrong actually yeah. at the start of um the Black Lives Matter movement, especially with the kind of um herd mentality that occurred with the black square and yeah. then mm-hmm. the almost instant retraction recognizing that actually that's not serving anybody yeah. anything mm-hmm. yeah 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 and it's like it, it's funny because i mean social media itself it kind of offers a platform for you to see people for them true for their true selves like you might have known someone personally for like 10 like i've known people for years right and then this year like their social media um, posts or whatever have just kind of made me realize I don't want like anything to do with you anymore and it's like because they've it's not so much because they've jumped on a bandwagon or there's like they're a part of a herd mentality or anything but um I think collectively there's a lot of people out there that voice their opinions on things when they're being you know when the matters are being blasted in mm-hmm. their face but then they they hush their voices at times when they should be louder um you know and the same sort of thing happened you know the same thing happened with the bushfires and then black lives movements and then you know the um, COVID doesn't really cover it but yeah yeah very true very true and um you know just touching on social media actually has anyone watched the social dilemma on netflix that no, documentary i terrified too <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I know what it's about but yeah that's why i haven't watched it <laughs> i mean it's not terrifying because we already know yeah. what the issue is what the dilemma is they're not telling us anything new or different maybe anyway. it's just the fact that people don't want to acknowledge they like, feed uh, you yeah they yeah. feed you based on where you are geography too like where your location is in the world you're getting the media that's set for that certain part of the world Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think it's scary that I was like, I don't know, I think I was talking to my mum the other day and I was like, oh, i got to check bum weather. And I just went to scroll down and Siri Suggestions comes up with bomb weather. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this bitch is listening. <laughs> but uh, no, t- touching on social media, how you're saying that there's two sides of people in which they're showing. And I suppose social media is about um, advertising yourself, your brand. You're selling yourself in a sense. A curated space of who you are. But is it really who you are or what people want you to believe you are? Yeah. <clears throat> this Have is you, a deep rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, okay, so I say that because I'm touching on what it means to rebrand and what it is mm. to have a brand. Is that synonymous with your own identity? I really struggle with this, like, immensely. Um, I have a really rocky relationship with social media um, and I at one point had two Instagram accounts, one that was like for my professional film work and one that was personal. Um, The thing that I really struggle with and I think you guys would empathise from the point of wearing many hats is that you are a creative but you're also a business person. You run your own business and those two things don't always gel. You might be lucky to be someone, well, I shouldn't say lucky, for lack of better of a word. Um, Sarah Barber is a great example. The way that she uses social media is that it is the platform for her artwork and then she makes sales through it. It directs to her website and who she is and her artwork is one person. But doing what I do, I might want to put up a portrait that I've taken of someone that might be quite intimate. I think one of the ones um, I recently took was uh, of an actor reading about Trump on the toilet. So that's one part of who I am and the type of work that I do. 
But then another photo might be me standing on in front of a media wall at an event. And I would love for my social media to be just my creative ventures and just um, being able to be like, this is what I'm contributing. But you get judged for that. Um, and I think, you know, like if you want to be like your true creative self and not, but also sell yourself, like, I, I don't know, this is why I deactivate it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I deactivate it so much because I'm like, I don't even wise, know who I am. Decision, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, Instagram. So it's a visual platform, right? So mm. for creatives, it works really well if you know how to work it. Mm. Um, but so quickly it can become unhealthy and in a way that's, I don't know, if we think about it as uh, a tool which is an enabler for curating your output, then it's great. And if it's used that way, then awesome. But the reality is that people don't use it that way. And it's very easy to be irresponsible with social media um, because it's so enticing. Like you get instant gratification hits in terms of social interactions. You're keeping up with what your friends are doing without actually having to engage with them. Like it's, it can be so quickly dangerous, but I think yeah, if you can like, um, I have to pull myself out of it all the time and sometimes deactivate things and be like, I'm going to have a break for two weeks um, and come back to it and yeah, recognize that what I, what am I actually using this for? And if I treat it like a, a landing page or a, a website as a folio is, then I have a good relationship with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, back to like the whole rebranding thing and social media, I think social media has maybe not so much with the older generation but a lot of the younger generation um because they witness you know or see a lot of stuff on the internet it kind of helps them or not help i wouldn't say help maybe um puts them in a position where they want to build their life into a certain um position or to be a certain person like whether they want to be the rapper or they want to be the painter or they want to be you know the producer or whatever um in terms of rebranding so like i think a lot of people rebrand when they kind of, um, well, one, they might be sick of their old project, but also a lot of people rebrand after mentally they come to terms with the fact that the previous content or the previous person or the previous brand or whatever isn't really what they want to be or what they want to do. And initially they thought they did want to be or do that because of what they'd seen on the internet. Um, so like, for example, um, I'll just take me, for example, I used to like DJ and, um, make like electronic club trap music when I first moved to Brisbane and I was literally only making the music so, so I could get DJ gigs. And then I kind of like, I liked music when I was younger. So I wanted to do, like be the DJ type thing. Then I kind of got older and I was like, no, I don't really like doing this. Like, it's not all that I thought it was going to be. And, you know, I think there's a lot of younger kids that are going through that. There's a lot of people that that will still go through it um, in terms of like their mentality changing and they rebrand who they, they reshape themselves pretty much. And it happens with business ventures and partnerships and all sorts of stuff. I've noticed with the the young bloods that you have coming through your label, you kind of foster and guide that sense yeah I try I'm as an individual I'm still trying to be more um I guess my my language ballsy in that sense because I don't want to be the guy that's sitting there saying like you know you gotta be this and do this and don't be worrying about this type thing because I feel like um I don't know I just don't like being that person but in the same sense I do yeah there no, is I say a, it a in a good way advantage. yeah 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 100%. you're relatable to them to that they'll yeah listen to you in a try sense. to i mean there's a lot of guys that come through music studios um 
that, I guess, I mean, from personal experience, they've just put on personas, you know, they've put on a persona in their music and then they're trying to carry on the persona in real life type mm. thing. And I always try to say, like, you don't need to be, a f- you know, the fake person to be doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people relate with authenticity more than they relate with, a, like, you look at a lot of artists, or I can see through a lot of artists, you know, they, they, um, maybe not so much unhappy, but they're like anxious and they're, um, you know, in their social circles and you can tell on their internet content and they're not confident in themselves or anything like that. And that, that kind of comes down to them trying to be someone they're not. Mm. Do you I, think that? I think you made a good point about building yourself into that. Like yeah. it's, it can be a really positive thing in that regard that if you're putting that content out there, you almost have to step into that role. You don't yeah. have a choice if it's public. Yeah. Um, so it makes you kind of move forward with leaps and bounds a bit quicker than if you were to on your own. Yeah, true. Yeah, 100%. Do you think that like social media, especially for young kids coming up, it kind of stifles their creativity more than generating, you know, like if you, oh, when I was a kid, I always had the grand idea of being a graffiti artist until I realized I was too scared to be running around and getting arrested <laughs> and, and wasting college and stuff like that. But uh, it was a lot of following the older guys and what they were doing. And it kind of, it kind of boxes you into I like that style and then you kind of that's all you can think about is just yeah. rather than allowing yourself like an organic growth or organic understanding of of whatever you want to do you see what the big guys are doing you're like oh I want to do that so you're just kind of reproducing what they do rather than producing what you should be doing yourself 100%. and reproducing a culture that has nothing to do with them too yeah yeah which is hard yeah, yeah. no I'm just no, saying no, it's heavy. just call me out straight no yeah i agree with that definitely i think instagram like quite literally boxes you in like you know yeah um i think that there's also a lot of pressure to make something that people on instagram like Mm -hmm. so um you know photography is obviously immensely diverse and as is film but something might have an Instagram aesthetic and therefore get more likes, be more well-received. And so I feel like Instagram encourages artists of all kinds, whether it's music, film, photography, visual art, it encourages them to make stuff that will do well on Instagram, which is fine if that's what you're trying to do for your career. But as for like young people and their creativity, I don't think... I think it's positive that they have a platform, which I think that a lot of us growing up didn't have, but um, I don't think it allows for as much freedom as I guess other avenues yeah. might. I'm yeah. so with you on that. I had, I have such a, um, like I did have such an unhealthy relationship with, um, like you said, looking at the big guys yeah. and just constantly following, especially with street art, there's this real mentality of like, you know, where's the next adrenaline hit and who's yeah. doing it bigger and who's doing it better and which festival can I go to yeah. next and how many people can I get to see this? Mm-hmm. And exactly like you say, Grace, people start making artwork just because they know how it's going to be shared and how people are going to talk about it and how many hits it's going to get. And I had, I got to a point where I was like, this is not why I signed up to this in the first place. And it's not the joy that I get from creating artwork in the public realm. Um, so it just completely unfollowed every street artist that I was aspiring to for so long and just had a break. And I worry for young people who that's their only 
uh, interaction with their peers and the people they admire is online. Like you don't have any, you're just looking at the the imagery or the curated version of them rather than all the hard days they have or like all of the shit they had to go through before they had that huge post with as many likes. Like it's not a, it's not a healthy relationship with, with your, your peers, I don't think. Yeah, definitely. And also like you just see their success and you yeah, start questioning right. like, why am I not as successful as them? Mm. Do you guys feel like the, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what it's like to be a, like a street artist or a painter, but do, um, do you feel like people, because like in music, people get into music because they want to be like such and such, you know, do you, is that sort of, a, does that happen in the art, like, you know, the street art side of things? Um, I think there's generally two approaches in street art. I see um, uh, folks who come from a graffiti background um, and they start off with their introduction to public art being, um, I guess, them trying to build their relationship with public space. Um, and then I see artists who have developed a practice and then um, want to translate that at a large scale. Um, so I definitely fit into the latter, but I have a lot of friends who are writers, so I see a bit of both. Um, but yeah, I think that's it, it definitely happens, uh, especially I used to um, mentor young graffiti writers at um, this artist-run initiative called Jugglers for yeah. um, a while. And yeah, quite a few of the guys, even just listening to them chatting amongst themselves and showing each other like different artist feeds and stuff, you could see that the aspirations were very much like, I want to be like this dude style, or I want to emulate that rather than being like, if I'm alone here with myself for an hour, what could I do? So it's a completely different approach um, and can be dangerous if you just live on that that kind of chase. 100%. I think cinema is really good in that in that regard, because there's this whole other world of cinema that is still like widely um, revered and enjoyed. I don't feel like filmmakers as experience that as much, like seeing someone on Instagram that they want to emulate or seeing someone famous that they want to be like, because I think that filmmakers at least still get to just go to the cinema and want to make films like that. So there's still that drive to be like someone else, but not it's not more quite like the carving same. Carving out your own space. Mm. Why did you want to become a filmmaker? <laughs> um, uh, uh, oh, this is going to sound so corny. Mm-mm. You know when you watch a scene and like the music is unreal, the mood is unreal, and you get goosebumps. I was like, oh shit, I want to make people feel that. <laughs> yeah, there's a feeling. Yeah, I want to be able to move people through cinema. You're right, that is corny. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Just I love you've it. Just because you've been driving for answer. so long. Yeah. <laughs> what? I haven't seen people <laughs> in two months. No, no, I like that. I like that. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought then. Um, so Is it because I moved you? <laughs> you know what? I'm getting goose pimples. <laughs> I'm so bloody moved. Um <laughs> so I think, do you find that you are now self-auditing, re-evaluating yourself with the, I want to bring COVID into this now. People have. <laughs> it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? it? it yeah, I suppose so. Um, people now have had time. And I see this through your freelance project, your photo series in which you spoke with different creatives in Brisbane and they gave you their honest truth. And they're on themselves too in their candid photos. Sorry, just yeah, to jump on. in on the candid photos. I saw that photo you were talking about earlier and I had to, like, I was just 
maybe I shouldn't say it, but I was looking at it last week or whenever it was, my brain's a much better. I was at work and I was scrolling through. <laughs> then old mate was just like on, on the bed and I was like, oh yeah, cool. And then he was on the toilet and I was like, oh damn it. Like people walking around and stuff, yeah. but yeah. Sorry, just the candid photos. They're really cool. I enjoyed Aww, that. Thank you. No, I enjoyed that series as well. But um, I feel like people have had a lot of time to think, especially now with them losing gigs, losing jobs and things like that. And having to, coming back to rebranding themselves and adapting and changing and finding different ways to make up income and things like that. Do you feel that a lot of people have tried to self-evaluate and reevaluate themselves? Sorry, self-audit. Um, or have you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't really, um, I was fortunate enough where I wasn't really in a position where I had to be, um, you know, without work and lockdown or anything. Um, but yeah, definitely, I guess kind of, um, there's there's been a lot of time for people all over to stop and have a think. And I guess um, the ones that are mentally there like consciously enough and aware of you know them as a human and the people around them i think they'd be reevaluating a lot of things you know people come out of it with um, career changes and you know um, personal circle changes and all sorts of stuff um, i think I, I mean it depends on how deep you get in terms of like um, i guess uh, evaluating yourself but i think the a lot of people would have taken some time to have a look in the mirror so to speak yeah. I do it as part of my mental health. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Self-auditing is always good. Well, just I think that COVID was a really good time. Um, someone that I photographed for the freelancer project referred to it as the great pause. And I thought that was a really interesting way to look at it. But it just gives you the opportunity to stop for a second and be like, is this really what I want to be doing? Um, and for myself at least... Uh, something that changed with COVID is that uh, I normally work as an event producer as well um, with big sound and stuff like that. And obviously this year, none of that really existed, at least not in its normal um, physical sense. And um, that was, it feels like it's missing for me. So the things that I've been without, it's reminded me that like, hey, I actually do really like that. Or um, in the instance of the freelancer project itself, um, photography is not something that I'm trained in or have really had much to do with. Um, and that period with COVID made me realise like, hey, this is something I'd like to explore. So I feel like even though it's really sad what's happened, especially um, outside of Brisbane, um, mm -hmm. it's an, been an opportunity for a lot of people as well. Yeah. Definitely, I'd agree. Yeah, I think it's a, it has been a bit of a like it's definitely been a negative situation across the world. But I think it, there's people that will come out of it, even if you know, like there's been people that have been locked up for two, three months or whatever. I think they'll still kind of come out of it and take something positive away from a negative experience. Definitely. I I think I'm similar to your experience, um, Grace, of having a bit of a recalibration of like. Uh, if I am not this, then what am I? Um, mm. And I think, like, it's been a bloody big shock. <laughs> um, yeah, sh like we had to um, shut down our physical space with the gallery and I had all of these questions in my mind. When you're a creative person, you relate so much of your identity to your output. So if your output doesn't reflect 
um, who you think you are anymore. It's like, well, what should that be? Um, but it has been, yeah, once I got over the initial shock of, well, if I'm not, you know, um, owner of an art space or if I'm not uh, primarily this or primarily that, then what am I? I think once I got over that, it was exactly, as you say, a, a beautiful opportunity to contemplate uh, how you do want to spend your your time and, and focus your energy in a way that actually fulfills you rather than what you think you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a great pause. It's, yeah. But yeah it's so work. perfect. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there'd been no other time in my life that I would have allowed myself time and space to do that. I just always would have done the Oh, I won't. I won't do an exhibition because I have this on or that on, or um, you know, I can do that later when I have downtime. And I just never make the time, so mm. it's been a, a really welcome forced pause. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I suppose just on the back of that, um, I was just reading some of your bio, Grace, around working for big brands, and like you mentioned, KFC, and I think it was Jaguar and and some other brands with this COVID people obviously more creatives have I suppose struggled more than than the other the rest of them like with that I think that actor on your photo series mentioned it's kind of when you're freelancing you're working what projects come up and it feels like that may have subsided during COVID with everyone kind of closing down how do you guys balance working in terms of a financial and then balancing that with your own creative integrity I suppose it can be really hard um I think that the way that I make sense of it is that no matter what I do I try to make the greatest possible um product whether it's a tv commercial or an event or a music video um the way that I rationalize working with brands that might not be what I relate to um, at least I can make stellar content that I'm yeah. really proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I rationalise it. Um, but definitely this period of having less money for things. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's like, I, I guess there's been less work, but I think that that question of doing stuff for money versus doing stuff for what you creatively enjoy, that's always existed within yeah. this kind of industry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people probably come out of COVID reevaluating the fact that they got to waste so much of their life working yeah. for someone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I think like even like my mum, she's kind of got to, like she can't do much about it now because she's got to retire. But um, yeah, she's kind of come out of COVID and like realised you know she used to be the nagging mum like yeah you're gonna be all right with money if you're doing all this creative stuff type thing and now I think she's come out of it like kind of understanding why which creatives try and do what they do um but in terms of the financial side um I think I mean in the music industry obviously the shows and the events were out of halt so there's artists that um you know were self-sufficient off music wholeheartedly so that's they're the ones that were um obviously hit the hardest but then there's a lot of um artists and creatives in the, in the music and arts industry i'd imagine um that still have it have that thing as a passion and they still work so i mean if even if there's been struggles i know a lot of guys that still manage to figure out how to make some money to get by one way or the other but um yeah i mean i think covid kind of people have either come out of it wanting to reevaluate their career path or, you know, trying to reassess what they actually want to do with their life. 
which is, I mean, they're both kind of the same thing, but you get me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I notice all of you have tattoos. I'm interested. Emily, the one that you have on your right arm here. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? What is, what's uh, the meaning? It's a leopard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got it done by a fellow in Spain who's also a street artist. Uh, and I reached out to him when I was going over there for an arts residency last year. Actually, like just this time last year. Oh, wow. Um, so I went over to do a self-directed residency and, um, yeah, hit him up before I landed just to see if I could have some time with him. Wow. Really cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, who has finger tattoos? Only, yeah, just a little guy. I'll go there. <laughs> did it Actually, hurt? it was my first one. Really? No. no. Um, mine, yeah, mine did. Uh, my hand tattoos are... Pretty much like I just gave my hands to an apprentice tattooist. At <laughs> wow. The, yeah, at the shop that my main tattooist does. So that was like a trial thing and I just always said I'd get it lasered off, but I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> it's so painful. Don't do it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the hands or the knuckles or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah, are you, are I nearly you, got them redone, but I just yeah, haven't done it. <laughs> the painful wheat. Oh, the laser. Oh, the laser. Laser oh, is the excruciating. Laser. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you've done the laser? I have. Um, I had my nephew's names on my arm. They have cool names. Their names are Cash, Hunt and Steel. And um, No, you're lying. <laughs> you're lying. I, I, legitimately, yeah. They're gorgeous. Cash, um, Hunt and Steel. That's yeah. cool. Could you imagine yelling out to them, Cash, Hunt. No, I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> imagine I that. It's a supermarket. The coolest names. Yeah, like, yeah. There'd be bosses in the schoolyard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Cash money. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. The funniest thing is um, the, the rationale behind their names to begin with is that um, they're bilingual mm-hmm. and they uh, spent their really early years in China and the the rationale between the uh, around their short names is that it's easy for people to pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, I had that on the back of my arm and um, it was really in an awful font and any graphic designer I ever met (laughs) felt like telling me that. And um, I had a couple of laser sessions and it was excruciating. So I went to a tattoo artist called Willa May and she she did a really awesome cover up for me that I really love. Yeah. Nice. Do you guys have any favorite artists that you you like to go to? Um, uh, not off the top of my head, not really. I mean, there's um, there's a lot, but yeah, not off the top of my head. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> there's like a lot of crazy tattoos out there coming up with like new um, I get not so much new designs, but you know, just their unique styles in mm-hmm. a sense. Yeah. Do you go into a tattoo shop just saying like paint me, or do you have <laughs> an idea or concept you want? I normally have a concept, but how about you as an artist? Are you just like, do whatever? Or? <laughs> yeah, it like takes a bit of the pressure off. Otherwise I overthink it. Um, I think all of my tattoos have been, I've had a, a bit of an idea of what I'd like to do, but it's more about um, capturing the moment in something. So it almost doesn't matter what it is. It's just the experience of getting it. Like this one here, I got done by a um, really beautiful Australian artist, Al Stark. So he's also a um, painter and illustrator and mural artist. And, um, my partner at the time, we just packed up and moved into our troopie and had just like ditched everything in Brisbane and, um, went down on a trip. We we had all this, um, vision of moving towards Tasmania and we stayed with this guy, um, Al for a little bit and he was living in his dad's, um, old church. And it was kind of 
in this really beautiful area on the um the brink of a national park and um a forest and it was just like a really cool few days where I got to see I don't know just witness how somebody else um lives lived their yeah creative pursuit <laughs> wow now you say capture the moment and you use film to bring to life your murals right no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like documenting the mm-hmm. projects. Yeah. Why do you prefer to use film over digital? Oh, with photographs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I love taking photos um, and I've got a little uh, K1000 that I've just had for a long, it's like the simplest um, 35 mil camera you can buy. And it. Uh, I'm like a really high energy person when I'm painting. So um, I'm a bit all over the shop and I'm kind of bouncing from one thing to the other and just keen to get stuff done. Um, but I have now started to bring my camera on site and it forces me to slow down for a minute and actually look at what I'm doing because <laughs> I think I'm, yeah, I can get a bit um, carried away with just getting the job done and not really absorbing any of it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Plus, yeah, aesthetically I just, I, I love the look of it because it, um, a lot of people relate to film. It just feels familiar and nostalgic at the same time and it's warm. <laughs> I feel like you have a vintage vibe because, like, the first time I met you, you were DJing on vinyl records. Yeah. And I was like, oh, dope. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see anyone else coming. doing it. So that was pretty cool. Jared. That's a bit more of an emotional question. But I was just uh, – I really liked that little street stu- art studio wall that you did that incorporated, like, the that African – there was, like, an African statue – incorporated into it and I just wanted to see how you feel about like culture and incorporating other people's culture into your artwork and I'm not it's not in a negative way I just it's beautiful I really a great question that's something that reminded me I suppose a bit of home um very used to having those kind of statues in people's houses as art, art decoration and and used to seeing that style of art and that kind of jumped out of me and I just want to see how you not really justify, but how you 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 feel your internally about about incorporating other cultures into your into yeah, your artwork. it's it's something that I think about a lot. Um, it's so I have a really uh, deep kind of affection and appreciation for um, African styles of artwork, particularly three dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I collect uh, old literature, so books that are out of print. Um, that have picture references mm-hmm. and they're typically written by um, people from a Western perspective. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I include them in my artwork is um, one, I'm reappropriating the image. So I'm um, when you reappropriate an image from two dimensional to a different space, um, it becomes a symbol rather than the image itself. Um, and then when you're um, taking something out of context or presenting that context um, differently, then it offers a new conversation. So I'm really interested in how to, um, through my mural work, I, I care a lot about building a, a modern mythology that um, references imagery and aesthetics that people are familiar with, but kind of forces them to question why they're familiar with it and what viewpoints they have on that. Um, so with that particular artwork, the Little Street Studios one, um, I picked those two particular statues because they um, they were both specifically referenced by modernists Picasso and Henry Moore. Um, and those two artists are obviously the big heavyweights and, um, people look to their artwork as, you know, being revolutionaries, but Mm -hmm. 
a lot of their inspiration came from somewhere. Yeah. Um, so what I did in that artwork was highlight the original artwork, so where they got their main inspiration, and then I um, segregated their artwork, so put um, Picasso and Henry Moore almost on display um, for the sake of exoticizing them yes. rather than the other way around. Yeah. Um, and that was – it felt like a really important artwork for me because um, I found it really difficult to find my place in showing – allyship or solidarity um and it was actually the only way i've felt comfortable is to paint something about it yeah yeah well it was really beautiful thank you (laughs) thank you i really dig it too (laughs) yeah that's a word i like how you use exoticizing no no i mean like anyway moving on from that i just wanted to ask you about you said you're you're a daughter of a refugee yeah and how you incorporate your past and I suppose it's for everyone with you know we've on this podcast we've chatted about people and their cultural backgrounds and where they come from and and uh I just do you that Hungarian that's Hungarian right yeah, correct sorry um no, how, sorry. how do you incorporate that into your, to being Australian and into your artwork do you still have strong ties to to Hungary and and yeah how yeah. do you express that that's a really interesting question. Um, I want to go back to the exoticizing thing you, you, in a second. Or yeah. I'll, I'll do it now. <laughs> so that's another thing about social media is that after the Black Lives uh, Matter movement, I don't know if you noticed, but so many people are now working with um, models and actors from all sorts of backgrounds. And that's awesome. But why weren't they doing that from the beginning? Mm-hmm. And I that feel like they're exoticizing people. Yeah. Inclusivity's and, become really trendy. Yeah, oh, and that's awesome, right? Like I want to see everyone, but I don't want to see it because you're like, oh, whoops. Yeah, you should I have been doing it from where go. Like a, an industry standard needs to start perhaps in trend first yes. before it becomes mainstream. But it's just a shame that that's that's. It's where a shame it's it took this. Yeah, you know. Where, yeah. Where's the line though, as well? Like. Is it, oh, why are you doing it now and put someone on blast for doing it now or is it? Yeah, congratulate you, you, and, and yeah. be positive. No, yeah. I think we've like got to be balance. positive. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Rather than saying, oh, As long as is- it's done well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. As long as it's not done in a, in, no, a, okay. like, in like exploit, like yeah. exploitive yes. way. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I just wish, uh, I wish we were always seeing that. And I think that that's something that was missing for a long, long time. And I'm really glad that that's something positive that's happening on social mm. media is that we're seeing models and actors and influencers of all backgrounds being represented. Um, and as for the Hungarian thing, actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm wearing an 18th century Hungarian corona that my mom got me. Say that again. Uh, it's, a, it's a gold coin from um, the 18th century in Hungary that my mom wow. got me. Cool. Yeah, I really love it. Um, but so obviously it's different depending where you've come from. But um, what I've sort of seen is that Europeans who came here when um, when my mum did, it was kind of like a rejection of our culture, and it was um, it was seen the done thing to do was to assimilate. So like my mum would tell me she'd she'd throw away her salami sandwiches on the way to school, and um, she got dragged around by the ear by a teacher for not speaking fluent English and stuff like that. Mm. And so I didn't learn the language growing up. I wasn't um, that involved in Hungarian culture apart from, I guess, whatever my grandmother cooked for me. And I think that I feel a little robbed of that part of me. 
Um, and so I think that I don't work my Hungarianness into my work, but it's made it really important for me that people get to work their own um, backgrounds into whatever work I did. Um, like a film that I uh, was one of the producers on in 2012 was Maiden and it was um, about a Greek Australian family uh, with a father who was struggling with um, uh, gambling around greyhound racing and it had like a really strong Greek themes throughout it and it just felt really special to me to be part of that Greek director having a Greek Australian voice. So, yeah. I want to ask that question because often it's, it's weird coming from another country and assimilating into the culture yeah. without bringing too much with you. Because if you bring too much and you try and recreate it here, it's not going to work. And Definitely. It's just about still having little bits and pieces, but just going full force into into being part of Australia. Otherwise, mm. you're always going to stick out and not really be included or seen as you know part of the part of the society, really. Yeah, and the thing is, it it's so diverse. Mm-hmm. Like like I was saying before about there being this one idea of an Australian. Um, yeah, what there if it isn't is that? One. There isn't one. <laughs> yeah. And I think the more we talk about it and the more diversity we see, the more I think Australians will understand themselves better. Yeah. I, I was really lucky when we first, when we first moved here. I got a job down in uh, Victoria and they put me in a, a an area where they put me up in a hotel or accommodation that was very um, like there was a, lot, a big Central African population. Mm. And to see um, people being part, like you could see the older generation that were still, they'd come as adults and that was their culture. And to see the younger kids that like, you, you hear parents shouting at the kids with a Central African accent and then the kids, that's a little Australian kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, to, <laughs> I love and, that. And I, yeah, I really like seeing that and being part, like I was in the community, so there were little shops that you could get like food and and stuff, but it was still there was a shop, and then next door was just an Australian pub, and it was just it, <laughs> yeah, it was really cool to see that kind of like they Australian, but they have a full blown culture behind them that's not necessarily from here. And I think lots of the artists that we've spoken to have this really well defined like they know where they've come from, and it helps them move forward with their artwork, which is. Yeah, really I think cool. it's interesting being in Victoria that there's such a highly dense population, but they're so squished in that they're able to have those various different communities mm, and groups. Mm. But as opposed to coming here, because like I remember talking to somebody at um, a Bad Olive event and she had moved from Victoria. She's like, I had my own little Spanish community and then I come to Brisbane and I don't know anybody here. Where's the Spanish community? Mm. I was like, yeah, that's actually a good point. It's kind of segregated. I had the same experience of... Um, you kind of like you know whether in your neighborhood you know where the Greek quarter is. Mm. There's like a series of blocks where literally every Greek person lives, and they all have Greek shops and um, you know the Greek grocer and the Greek pub and X Y Z. But here it's a little bit more spread out and yeah. very spread. I've, yeah, yeah. I've um, got international friends that are just kind of like, where do I where do I go? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, in Brisbane, like. We went to the Afro Beats Festival last year when it was on. Oh, yeah. And just to see people come and support. And you're like, where 
like you, you where did you, you, yeah, you yeah, don't, you don't see this on, on an everyday basis you don't yeah. you don't have that like communities that are and a bit more spread out so i was also chatting to one of the guys i played a bit of cricket with a few years back and um he was from uh, afghanistan and he came on a on a sh- uh, as a refugee on a boat and that and you're saying in Mo- in melbourne it was just a community where he wasn't learning english and he wasn't getting involved and he was like he's got to go so he just came to brisbane and just set up and uh, yeah brisbane definitely is much more spread out and just not that clumped up communities and that mm-hmm. have you guys lived anywhere else other than brisbane no yeah. i'm boring Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> that wasn't to say you're boring. <laughs> um, yeah, I've lived in Perth and then I grew up mainly down in the Hunter Valley. You know, I'm in Scone, mm-hmm. like my parents live in Scone, which is like the horse capital of Australia. Scone. Um, and then, yeah, Mackay for a bit before I come to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Whereabouts in Perth? Um, Subiaco. Subiaco. Yeah, hometown. Mm-hmm. In yeah. gangs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you find, like... Obviously, have you been mainly based here with your... I've been mainly based in... Um, I mean, I've been in Queensland now for like 10 years, but um, I've growing up, actually, I always told I had like a West, like a Perth accent, which is kind of weird to hear um, because I don't know how someone in Perth has a different accent of people in Queensland or whatever, but um, no, I don't <laughs> really... more refined, <laughs> mate. Yeah, um, I don't really um, remember Perth all that much, to be honest with you, but yeah, I did live a stint in my life there when I was younger. Um, I plan on going back there eventually, but yeah. Yeah, it's a cool place. Yeah. Really liked it there. That's somewhere that definitely doesn't feel multicultural at all. Um, no. I well, I was only there a short period of time, so I can't definitively pass judgment on it. Whereabouts in I, Perth did you go? Um I just like I went to the C B D, I went uh to B- Bustleton, I yeah, think it's called. Down south. Yeah, yeah, I I went to the Pinnacles, I went everywhere and um my mom actually took me to some of the the places where my where my grandparents had painted the statues for the churches. Oh, wow. Um so that was really beautiful to see, but um Perth definitely felt like a sea of mostly white faces, mm-hmm. which I thought which kind of shocked me coming from Brisbane, so I can only imagine what it might be like for someone coming from Melbourne. It yeah. just seems quite homogenized comparatively. I think there's a lot of um like it's a, a tradey central in a Mining, sense. Mining, yeah. 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 And it's also pretty, I suppose, remote compared to the rest of Australia mm. whereas, I mean, people can move around between, well, used to be able to move around between yeah. like Brisbane, Sid- Sydney and Melbourne fairly easily whereas Perth is a bit remote and isolated. And I kind of enjoyed own. Perth, Fremantle to be exact. Yeah. Oh, I'm That's, not saying it's a bad place. No, no, I'm just adding my two cents. <laughs> Did you live there or visit Pardon? Did you live there or Working. visit? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we had a job that was uh, all along Western Australia coastline. So going into different little places from, what's at the bottom? The big gold pit. Is it Kalgoorlie? Yeah, I'll take yeah, your word yeah. for yeah, it. Kalgoorlie. Yeah, Kalgoorlie. <laughs> <laughs> Kalgoorlie all the way up to Broome. So you get to see different landscapes from going in the country towns to the the cities to the the beaches and the coastline. So, yeah, and you're right, it is a sea of, yes, faces. Um, (laughs) But it's also interesting to talk with the young people. So I was mainly going into Fremantle because I was looking at different creatives and artists to, to talk to, and you see that 
they all seem to think that Fremantle is the place to be to connect, to grow, and it's multicultural in Fremantle as oh, well cool. because you had I was walking in the park and there was this guy doing like African drum dancing and then someone else was doing like capoeira on the other <laughs> side and it's just like what the hell what did I just walk into so I quite enjoyed it how far yeah. is um Fremantle from like the CBD um five stops on the tram yeah oh that's oh. close yeah. yeah it's not that far yeah well, they've opened the borders, so seems like an excuse to go back. <laughs> it's a nice can, place. Can we go yeah, we can travel there now. Oh, no Queenslanders can travel. Travel yeah. to that changed to December's plans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I asked the question if um, if you've lived anywhere else other than Brisbane because I wanted to see why you've established yourself in Brisbane and what you see is going to be the outcome for the creative arts industry. In Brisbane, as it is still a burgeoning scene, it's still growing as opposed to Melbourne and Sydney and whatnot. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Man, I got so much Brizzy pride. <laughs> <laughs> so I think growing up in Melbourne, uh, when I, because we moved around so much growing up, um, I was, when I was younger, I was in Melbourne and then did high school on the Sunshine Coast and then um, came to Brisbane to study. And I think as soon as students from fine art finished at um, QUT, they were all so keen to move to Melbourne. Um, but for me, I was like, I just want to stick around and see what's going on here. Um, but I think like so many people compare the cities, but they're incomparable. So mm-hmm. Melbourne and Sydney obviously are a dense population and there's, um, so much opportunity for the arts equally. There's so much competition mm-hmm. and the culture around it is different. Um, and any day I would pick the culture in Brisbane, which is way more supportive, way yeah. more integrated, um, people show up for things like owners of different art spaces would always come to TQ and I would always go and um, check out other openings. And that's something that is, I don't know, it feels really unique here. So I'm I'm pumped. <laughs> I'm pumped on Brisbane. I'd agree on that. And it's growing. Um, I love Brisbane. I'm not sure. I, I, I used to come here, like I try to come to Brisbane a fair bit when I lived in New South Wales. So I kind of, I don't know, I feel like I was kind of drawn here when I decided I want to leave Mackay. Um in terms of like the creative industry, I think there's a lot of growth to come in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. I think this city would be crazy, but even in the next five years, it'd be the next stage past that. So um, I think in, yeah, like what you said about um, Sydney and Melbourne, it's um, it's a very different, um, yeah, industry in terms of it's, like the city. Yeah, it's fertile location. ground for yeah. if you want to pioneer something, which is something that you um, don't get in the same way yeah. in bigger cities like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Brisbane's got a lot to offer. Um, like you said, a lot of <coughs> excuse me, a lot of people go out to um, support other locals. Um, you know, there t- seems to be a sense of community amongst other brands and creatives and people from other areas, um, which is I, I haven't really experienced that anywhere else. So that's why I like Brisbane. Yeah, making me feel good about my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now we're giving you goosebumps. <laughs> Do you feel moved? <laughs> I'm going to cry. Oh, wow. <laughs> Such emotions. So you've, Emily, you've gone through your existential crisis and come out of the other <laughs> side of it and adapted with new changes. Mitch, you've, I don't know, changed your whole way of thinking, I suppose, into creating more with Don't Mind Us Records. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just, yeah, definitely. I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah. 
Try still trying to change daily, but yeah. You can only change every day. Yeah. <laughs> and Grace, you are moving on and stepping on with new things, diversifying your spaces and pointing out the voices that need to be heard. Yeah. I feel like you've all evaluated yourselves within this time to think and create. So I think that's your rebrand, is it not? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I'm stoked for 2021, Emily, whatever she's going to get up to. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best outlook. Yeah. Actually, I want to ask you all a question. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can you guys tell me one thing that you've learnt about yourself in 2020? And one thing that you love about yourself? Oh. I'm not going first. <laughs> <laughs> One what that's sorry. <laughs> one thing you've learnt in twenty twenty and yep. one thing you love about yourself. Um uh, such a personal question. Um <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I like my ability to be able to handle um I guess confronting and conflicting situations. But I also know oh sorry, I've also learnt that I have a lot to um still confront within myself, I guess, like to for personal growth trust jared have you learned anything this oh, year don't throw it at me. <laughs> no. oh, i don't know I, well, I, I don't know yeah hard work pays off eventually i know sometimes if you're doing the wrong thing it, it might not but yeah if you put in the hard work you'll see results and mm. yeah that's what i've learned especially over the covid period for sure mm. i learned to love myself Oh, yes. Yeah, you do. Yes, I do. Congratulations. Thank that you. actually really deserves that's huge, um, yeah. a yeah. huge applause. Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. I yeah, appreciate you. you. We appreciate you too. Yeah, I, was, I was going to say, your, um, you like your stories on Instagram and stuff, like bring, I don't know, as corny as it sounds, a light to my day. Oh, <laughs> There's been beautiful. so many times I've gone to reply and respond. I'm like, no, we're not that close just yet. <laughs> By all means, <laughs> let me know. Random people do. Someone said, oh, I actually love your voice. And I was like, that's such a different comment. But I'll take it. <laughs> I think loving yourself is really important. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like, okay, so what I learned this year is that, um, and it was through doing the freelancer project, um, I learned how to be better at asking questions because mm. um, I think that's an important skill for a director is being able to listen to people because um, a lot of the time you get focused in like trying to say something instead of maybe just asking. And the thing I realise I like about myself is that um, maybe, I don't know, you mentioned being introverted earlier and I sort of realised maybe people like me a little bit more than I thought, you know, <laughs> which kind of ties into that um, sure. loving yourself thing. So, yeah, just being able to communicate with people better, which is ironic when it's a year of isolation. But, yeah. mm. the, the communication thing's been huge, hey. Um, biggest thing I've learnt, uh, I would say, is maybe uh, being okay with the fact that I'm, I'm not my work. I think for a really long time, right up until COVID, like, uh, and through COVID, I always thought I was what I was putting out and um, that if I wasn't sharing that, then the self-worth kind of went down with that. Mm. Um, 
but something that I like about myself is through this last period of a few months I've um with a lot of like practice I've learned how to ask for help which is something that I was not very good at before so I always had this mentality of um uh dealing with crisis would be I'd go introverted and would isolate um because I'm you know creatives we're pretty self-aware we're pretty good at handling problems um but I would tend to do it on my own and I think yeah last few months has really taught me that it's okay to um, reach out to people and getting that feedback of people being like, I'm so glad you asked was amazing. Like, yeah, yeah it's the best thing I've I've come out of this year with. And and with the freelancer project, a few people mentioned this is that during COVID they, they kind of like had these deeper, more real conversations with oh people. Oh my God, yeah. 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 And it's such a positive to come out of this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't really prepared you were going to give me such... Honest answers. <laughs> we now well, share. You went in there. I know, I did. We now share yeah. like this eternal bond. So you're with us forever. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Thank you for being so honest and candid. Now I can truly say we're all friends. Yeah. From the beginning. I'll be commenting on all your stories. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if you buy please go ahead. Um, so, one thing we like to ask all of our guests is to give us somebody who you've been watching in the creative space who you think should get a mention or who we should be looking out for. Could be anyone doing anything. Um, If you know anyone. I feel like I mentioned her earlier and obviously she's hugely successful, but I just, I love her work. I love Sarah Barber. I hope I'm saying her last name correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, She does, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but she does stills photography series with captions down the bottom. Her most recent work um, was about her. Yeah, yes, she's unreal, sorry. right? Sex yeah. and takeout? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. her. I love her. So her most recent series um, was about how she feels as, um, I'm trying to think of what her background is. She's Middle Eastern. She's Persian. Yeah. Persian. Uh, as a Persian-American woman. And I love that not only did the captions have the English, but also... um the Exactly. Yeah. And um, I just, I love her and I love how she turns her trauma into art. And that's like a huge inspiration for me. And mm-hmm. I could only hope to be able to do that for myself and my experiences. So, yeah, if you don't know her, but everyone already knows her, (laughs) maybe, um, I just think she's unreal. She is. I agree with you. Um, He's kind of a Brisbane legend, but I've got the utmost respect for everything Kyle Golly does, sorry. Um, Mm -hmm. Just the effort and, um, you know, the immense, I guess, push he goes to for everything that you know like no one network does and then nerve and all the rest of it like i think what he's done from the bottom up is commendable um so yeah i'd, I'd mad props to him 100 percent. i think everyone should watch out what he does mm-hmm. yeah. yeah he'd be a great guest he will be <laughs> i'm speaking it into existence <laughs> i'm actually doing a little doco on him oh. yeah trying to anyway i have been so busy but yeah He's um yeah he's a good guy he's done a lot. We'll yeah. watch this space. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. It is definitely coming. I've just been flat out doing other stuff. But yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, yeah. Fair, fair. Kyle Golly, can mm-hmm. I be greedy and have two? I oh, mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I want to double dip. So, um, uh, both incredible women. One of them is um Amy Crow. So, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are familiar with her, I guess, because of her illustration work. Um. But I've had the joy of becoming quite good friends with her through third quarter. 
Um, and just watching the way that she uh, just completely rewrites her own creative space at Forge Forward literally every month. It's a model I've never seen before and her courage is fucking incredible. Like she's the boldest, most fearless uh, creative I reckon is in Brisbane. Um, and then another one is Holly um, Hibbo who runs Quivas, which is a DJ space. Um, so she set up this space uh, pretty much like just before um, – the impact of lockdown and I mean anyone setting up a business at that time props to you right Mm -hmm. but then not only did she do that but she has come out the other end of it and built the most incredibly inclusive supportive DJ network in Brisbane so many of the people that use that space never knew each other beforehand or never connected or um, kind of had heard about them at other gigs and stuff but had never crossed paths Um, but she's made this space you know really welcoming for um, female and non-gender binary and queer people and um, people who are learning for the first time. And it's, yeah, I just, I think she's incredible. <laughs> mm. It's like Australia's version of Boiler Room. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. doper. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> yeah. What's that, what's that space called? Quiver. Quiver. Yeah. Do they like frequencies, kind of? So, yeah, it's like a, a live streaming studio. Yes. Um, it's just a little one tucked at the back of Wind Lane. Yeah. Um, so they started on the premise that it was a space to – um, for everybody to feel safe and welcome to practice and then to record your own set. Um, but now it's just become like such a beautiful hangout space yeah. and they curate, uh, I think, Thursday, Friday and Saturday and Sunday they have lineups. Yeah. So you can go and do an hour there and or two hours. Um, but they run, learn how to do vinyl DJing courses and learn how to do Ableton. And, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, it just makes it accessible. It's really That's cool. So cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Gotta love Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. Wait, for- before we go, oh, sorry. I know we, I know we were talking about the evils of social media, but do you guys want to just shout out where people can get hold of you? <laughs> and like, not it doesn't have to be social media, or if you don't want to, just be like, find me, and then myself, <laughs> send a pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just where we can get your updates of upcoming work and what you've just done and stuff like that. Um. Yeah, all my all my video work goes on my website, which is just gracejulia.com. I do have an Instagram. It's sometimes deactivated, but you might be able to find me at uh, Grace J with four underscores. Yeah. Yeah. You've got it. I don't know. You'll find That's it. That's niche AF. Yeah. <laughs> Not three, four. Four. Well, it's like Julia, like J-U-L-I-A, but it's just underscores. I don't know, it made sense to me at the time. <laughs> no, no, My name's yeah, taken. <laughs> I've been trying to get the Loretta Instagram account for years. Um, mine, yeah, you can check out um, Deft88 at www.deft88.com and um, my, like, producer URL is just Loretta the Don. Yeah, that's it. Our third quarter is um, thirdquartergallery.com or the.third.quarter. Uh same deal. <laughs> Whoever third quarter is, I'll find them. Um, Whoa. <laughs> uh, or emilydevis.com for mural work um, and on Instagram and then twin sister for DJ stuff. Sick. Oh, also, have you guys got anything coming up? I've got, um, I've got a music video that's going to be released early January, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, is that Black Curry? Mm, it oh. is. Oh. It is. Um, is that your first music video? Oh, no, it's not, um, but it'll be the first one of 2020. Yes. <laughs> uh, 2021. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, I don't meant. want to repeat this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
sick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've just, I've, there's a couple of releases coming out from the team and then a few more, um, like interviews on Deft 88 and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just pumped about third quarter pop-ups. <sighs> yes, yeah. I saw that. Super Mo- keen. Moved out of the space. So it means we can be anywhere and do anything, which is pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'll wait Sorry. in a line yeah. for two and a half hours. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. 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 When's the next pop up? Do you know? Uh, so we just did our last one for this year at um, Wandering Cooks last week, which oh, was really awesome. fun. We took over oh, the no backspace, turned it into a gallery. Um, yeah, it was really cool. But we've got some really exciting ones coming up next year. Um, I've got a, a sound and installation artist. Uh, we're talking to a recording studio about taking over. And um, also a 3D um, multimedia artist about taking over like a basement space. So there's some cool things that are, um, yeah, keeping me motivated. That's really exciting. <laughs> gang, gang, gang. Well, thank you. Or thank each you for of having you. us, guys. Thanks thank so you. much for coming <laughs> and sharing your time. That's yeah. really cool. Bearing your heart and souls like <laughs> I that. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, it was yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you and bless. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Cheers, guys. I've been Jamel. I've been Jared. And, and we, we are, are Neon Hotline Brisbane.